Hey guys, before we start today's show, just want to let you know that we had a little bit of an audio glitch on today's recording. And my microphone made me sound a little bit deeper than I already sound with a smooth, silky smooth deep voice. So hang in there. Our guest sounds great. We have a great show for you and I hope you enjoy it. Bad boy good. Uh, to get your hands on and Edward Solaire, if you need him to, he can catch 80 passes out of the backfield. Has experience with LSU going to the biggest stage. They asked Patrick Mahomes, "Who do you want?" And they basically like gave him the green light. Said, "Who do you want?" He said, "Clyde." Now it's time for the two on one, a fantasy football podcast. That boy good. Boy good. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the two-on-one of Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your commish, Tommy Moe, finally back after a long, long break, and so excited to bring you this episode to talk about the 2020 NFL Draft. And to recap it with me today is one of our friends, one of our favorite fantasy football analysts, Mike Taglier from Fantasy Pros. What's up, Tags? Welcome to the two-on-one. Well, dude, I'm, I'm happy to be the one that kind of pops the cherry on uh, the 2020 season <laughs> for you guys. Uh, I, you were telling me before the show that you had taken a hiatus. And uh, this is a time of the year where it's, you know, I think people kind of walk away after the Super Bowl. I mean, we don't. Uh, but yeah. at the same time, it's like now after the NFL draft is kind of wrapped up, they're kind of, what's going on? Did my team really screw up the draft? Did they do well? And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, especially with uh, the relative lack of sports going on right now, I think it was really nice to have the NFL draft pop up. And uh, give us something new to talk about, something new for our teams. Uh, looking forward to 2020 as opposed to watching reruns from the 1998 uh, Super Bowl championship um, or even the 80s where I've been watching with the, the Niners and the Cowboys going at it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a weird time to be alive. It's a weird time to be living <laughs> through things. And uh, again, one of those things we were talking about before the show started is that, uh, you know, I'm, I've been working at home now for uh, I think it's this is my fifth year working full time in the industry, fourth year, something like that. Uh, but my wife is now home working and we have a three year old that I mean, he's not independent yet. So it's like, you know, all my efficiency that I've had working at home by myself has kind of gone out the window. Oh, it's it's totally done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, your, your bosses are hitting hitting us up about, you know, deadlines and stuff like that. I'm like, hey, man, I'm just trying to hang out with my family right now. <laughs> there's like, there's oh. people taking advantage of the situation, too, yeah. where it's like, I feel kind of sick. Well, you should not work or you should, like, rest up. And I, I, unfortunately, some people have taken advantage of the situation. Well, it's the quarantine. Nothing really nothing really matters anymore, right? Like, time, time, time is no longer a concept. And uh, everyone's Crazy. taking Zoom meetings in their underwear and wearing a shirt on top. <laughs> <laughs> So tags, you know, uh, so, you know, again, with with the quarantine and everything being switched up, uh, the NFL draft saw their first online live draft, um, you know, and and for someone like you that went to the draft last year in Tennessee, it was there live in person. Uh, what did you think about this new format going online and um, and doing it like, you know, the way we all do most of our fantasy football drafts uh, that are live and online? Yeah, it's it's kind of nuts to to think that we actually lived through this and we watched an online draft like, you know, we're like a fantasy football league like we would do it. There were no glitches in it, which is really good. I know teams were worried about that, but it was interesting, man. I'll tell you, uh, we actually did a live stream for the uh, Fantasy Pros podcast. Like we did a, a YouTube live stream where Yates and I were on camera. Uh, we had all these graphics in the live stream and it was fantastic. And I think we had like 78,000 viewers uh, for the first night. And so it, it was really it was a big success. 
Uh, but it was weird trying to do the live stream while watching what's going on in the background on my TV and sit and like trying to break that news to everybody as it's going on. It's just, it's a lot harder than you would think to talk about players consistently between two guys for four and a half hours, like Yates and I did. Uh, but it was, it was a whole lot of fun. I, um, I did miss being at the draft, but at the same time, I'm someone that I really do enjoy being at home because I can kind of update my spreadsheets mm-hmm. with all my depth chart information. I can kind of go through and update rankings and and deliver things on Twitter. Whereas when I was at the draft, it was more just like hanging out with everybody talking about the picks live in person. And that's cool. But at the same time, um, I, I've kind of been, uh, you know, practicing my entire life for this quarantine because I, <laughs> I, I I'm I'm at home more than I think anybody out there realizes. Uh, but it, it's it's when you're forced to be at home is when you really want to get out. So right. it's like, oddly enough, I want to be out of the house right now. But uh, <laughs> it, it was a different experience and one that it, it's cool to say that we are a part of. But I hope that we never have to go through it again. Yeah. And, and I know me and uh, the rest of the two on one crew, we were planning to be out there in Vegas this year, had a lot of big plans. We we're going to meet up with a bunch of Twitter p- folks. Um, jump on some some Raiders related uh, podcasts and live streams and and you know and just get out there and mix it up with the people and and yeah it was such a bummer uh, to have to cancel that trip. Um, I'm sure. excited for for I think it's next year I, or the year after. It was kind of hard to tell uh, what what Roger Goodell was saying about uh, redoing the draft in Vegas uh, another season, but um, yeah, it, it was funny to watch people like Rich Eisen. Uh, get their live stream set up, you know, almost kind of last minute and, and see everyone kind of turn into uh, podcasters and live streamers, you know, that we all do uh-huh. in the fantasy football uh, community on Twitter, especially um, to, to see them kind of take a step into our world was really interesting. Absolutely. It's it's it was a different experience for sure. And I, I would I would recommend to anybody that you try and give it a shot. Like I know that the guys from NFL Network and ESPN, they had like, you know, five, six, sometimes six different people on there. And it's a lot easier when you have that break because you're able to at least, you know, think about what it is that you want to talk about, the points you want to hit on. But when you're doing things live and this NFL draft is happening, there is no script to follow. Right. You just kind of right. talk football. And uh, I did enjoy doing it, but my throat was extremely raw uh, <laughs> at the end of that four and a half hours. Well, yeah, it's a. Uh... Yeah, it was it was a great live stream. Um, I, I definitely jumped in and caught your guys's, and and then you know all the others. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I jumped on with uh, the Dynasty Draft Room, who I just started writing uh, as a freelance for for Dynasty stuff. Uh, jumped on with those guys a little bit, and, and some of our friends over at the True North Fantasy Football Podcast. So it was cool to just see all the different groups doing their live streams, um, getting different people's takes, um, and just seeing this whole different format. And yeah, no no hitches um with uh with communication so that was really interesting to see it almost seemed like it, it was going faster you know there was almost like picks coming in like right on time and, and 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 i don't know if it was just a lack of commercials or a lack of the hoopla that they always show at the draft um but it just seemed like the the, the picks were going pretty steadily especially for that first round yeah, the first round, I mean, for me, it seemed like forever just because we were doing a live stream. <laughs> but I want to say it wrapped up, I, I think it was around like 11, 15 uh, Central, mm-hmm. 12, 15 Eastern. So I think it went on a little bit longer. Uh, they started late, though. I mean, I think it was like 15 minutes um, until that they, they actually put Cincinnati on the clock. But it was uh, it was interesting for sure. And uh, we don't see a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I'm sure it was pretty tough for them to kind of work all this out with all the cameras and everybody's different house and all that stuff. But uh, right. I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah, some of the uh, the reports coming out of, of them tearing up people's walls to install the IT and get everything set up. And, you know, we saw pictures of Dave Gettleman set up and uh, yeah. compared to some of the other guys, uh, like uh, I think uh, uh, John Lynch had a pretty good one. And then uh, 
uh, Kyle Shanahan setup was definitely pretty nice. I know I had a lot of people on Twitter pretty jealous of uh, his living situation during this quarantine. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because someone actually in our Fantasy Pro Slack channel said it reminded uh, Shanahan's reminded them of my setup at home because <laughs> the way I built my basement was so that I would actually do it. So I have a three monitor setup for my computer, and then I have three TVs like directly in front of me on the wall nice. um, that I'm constantly watching. So I could watch basically six games at a time on each screen if I wanted to. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's, it's cool to see the, these guys, you know, trying it into tech, tech, uh, technology. Some of them are like, Oh, I have to have someone come into my house to install zoom. Right. I'm like, wow. You guys are so behind. <laughs> I'm not even crazy technological. Like I'm not advanced yeah. like that when it comes to tech, uh, technology, but, oh man, some of these guys are, are dinosaurs. Yeah. I was joking with them. Like, okay, make sure they got their AOL minutes paid up for this, uh, for this <laughs> live stream. So they're ready to go. Yeah. Um, you know, but we, but speaking of the first round, you know, what, what was your overall take on, on the first round of the draft? I, I know, uh, you put out your, your three round mock draft just days before the draft. Uh, I know you were hoping no trades would happen, but, um, you know, looking at your mock draft and, and mine as well, um, it, it seemed at least like the first, first seven to 10 picks uh, kind of went uh, as predicted, um, you know, especially with Joe Burrow going off the board at number one. Yeah, that was pretty much the easy one. I think uh, Chase Young at number two is easy. And then from there, it's kind of like you have to figure out, uh, read through the smoke and say, you know, is, is Miami trading up? Is LA trading mm-hmm. up? And I, I was going back and forth in this stuff all day long. And I, I have a tradition that every draft day I go out and I play golf during the day because I don't want to be associated with all the drama and the smoke that happens the day of. Um, so just try and get away from all that. But obviously right now I couldn't do that. So I kind of sat around and, you know, it was exposed to all that stuff. So I ended up changing things around a little bit. Um, some things panned out, some things didn't. Uh, but in the end, Fantasy Pros does track all of the uh, the accuracy for these mock drafts. And uh, we had 213, I think, or 214 uh, mock drafts to- in total that were wow. graded. Uh, mine finished number 34 overall. So I was pretty proud of that finish considering. Um, but the first round, it... it even the picks that I didn't go with, I was kind of like, okay, I, I get it. Um, there were some reaches, uh, Damon Arnett, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 19 overall. That was a reach. <laughs> uh, there were a few, like you have uh, Jordan Brooks going uh, to the Seahawks in the first round. There were a couple guys that definitely were thrown in there, but it was really tough for anybody to to do that. But again, finishing 34th or whatever it was I finished, there's a lot of guys at the top of that board, like Daniel Jeremiah was one of them. Uh, the guys that have like insider, they, they talk to NFL teams consistently and they can have inside information that I don't have. And granted, they can't always leak that information, but talking to NFL teams definitely has its uh, benefits. And especially when it comes to Jeremiah with someone like Mike Mayock, you know, mm-hmm. those guys are friends. Uh, they worked mm-hmm. on a broadcast together. I'm sure he was able to. And he was, you know, going back, I should have like really thought about this because Jeremiah kept saying over and over. Henry Ruggs, I'm hearing that he could be the first wide receiver off the board. I should have really thought about that. Yeah. Because, like, I ended up saying that I, I felt like the Jets were going to go offensive tackle and that the Raiders were the first team that I was looking at for a wide receiver. Um, and uh, it just so happens that Henry Ruggs went to his buddy Mike Mayock. Yeah. And, you know, we all, I think we both had, had guys like, you know, uh, the Giants picking a tackle, you know, but it just happened yep. to be a different one. Um, yep. I, I think the first, in my opinion, the first, just a little bit of a surprise based on need. Um, was uh, the the Cardinals going with Isaiah Simmons with their first overall pick? I think they definitely had some bigger positions they, they needed to worry about or shore up, uh, especially for the offense. Uh, you know, considering the offensive line, but um, you know, I think it's hard to pass on someone that's such a talent as Isaiah Simmons yeah. and such a multifaceted athlete. Yeah, I I honestly feel like Arizona was kind of like shocked that he fell to them there at mm-hmm. eight because I I felt like the furthest he would fall was to Carolina at seven. Uh, Derek Brown is a good football player, but it's easier for me to find a defensive tackle than it is someone like Isaiah Simmons who who really could be like an, a generational player. And I, I mean I don't throw that term around lightly. 
Uh, when I watch him on film, he, reminded, he looks like a Julio Jones on defense. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the highest compliment I can give to anybody. Uh, he was so fun to watch. I don't have a whole lot of fun watching defensive prospects because I'm an offensive guy. Uh, but this is something I do for the draft. And I actually enjoyed watching Isaiah Simmons play football. And I understand that some people are struggling with where to put him on the field. And I'm like, if you can't figure out how to use this guy, that's a you problem. That's not a right. him problem. Right. Uh, so, you know, the Cardinals select him. I did not want the Cardinals to go defense in the first round because I felt like they, they should have protected Kyler Murray. They have the receivers now. And when he fell to them, I'm like, it kind of makes sense. Like when you have Isaiah Simmons and Buda Baker able to be moving around a defense like they do now, yeah. that defense is going to start changing. And it's like all you have to do is add little pieces here and there to complement those guys. And uh, I, I really did like the pick because, again, he, I did, he shouldn't have fallen that far. It, I felt like Detroit was a team that should have considered him because their linebackers are weak. Um I don't like their linebacker, linebacking core there. I felt like Carolina was for sure a team that should have thought about him. I felt like the Giants should have thought about him as well because while I understand they wanted to go tackle, and I, uh, Andrew Thomas was my number one tackle in the draft, so I had no problem with them hit, taking him if that's where yeah. they were going to go. Uh, but my issue is that, yes, you, I understand you have, to, you have to create lanes for Saquon Barkley, you have to block for Daniel Jones and all this stuff, but you have to be able to stop people on defense, and mm-hmm. they have legitimately zero... They don't have any playmakers as far as I'm concerned on defense. They don't. Um, I, I can't think the of Giants, one. <laughs> yeah, I, the Giants, they, they really need to build that defense, and that's why I didn't necessarily like the pick of Andrew Thomas. I mean, again, I'm not going to fault them for taking a sturdy left tackle. I like him. Um, but looking at that defense, I mean, Jabril Peppers, Xavier McKinney, it's the back end of that defense that where your two best players are right now. And, I mean, James Bradbury, I guess we could say they signed him in free agency. That was a solid signing. But... I feel like the middle of that defense just was missing, like the edge rushers, uh, the linebackers. There's just a whole lot of void there. So um, I'm curious to see how they handle, like Patrick Graham, the new defensive coordinator there, how he handles that unit, because I just felt like they were missing some star power. But again, Isaiah Simmons at eight, I actually like the pick just because they took a player that I don't think you can find later in the draft, whereas, you know, a tackle, they they really lucked out. And that's why Arizona got a really good uh, draft grade from me. Because they waited and waited, and they didn't have a pick until 72nd overall, and they took Josh Jones out of Houston, a guy that was, by some, projected to go in the first round. I had him as like a late first round, second, uh, early second round talent. So getting him there, it was really the best case scenario. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and there wasn't <clears throat> there wasn't a, a, a ton of of top tier uh, offensive tackle talent, um, and so I think that's why a lot of guys were going pretty early in the first round. Um, and, and just spread out throughout throughout the draft. A lot of tackle. There's a lot of tackle need in, in the NFL, and a lot of those guys went. But yeah, there, there were those jabs that got definitely slipped past the first round, uh, and teams were able to pick them up later. Which, yeah, you know, if you waited on some of those players, and, and you definitely lucked out. Um, but but speaking of you know you know fancy relevant players, you know besides those quarterbacks, which we all thought definitely would go where they were going to go. You know, I, I definitely saw people trying to get cute. Uh, with their mock drafts right before and, and trying to say that, you know, the Chargers get a tackle or, or Simmons or someone else, you know, but, mm-hmm. but Justin Herbert there, you know, that was the right pick to, uh, you know, for Miami was the right pick. Um, and I think the first guy, you know, the first receiver off the board, um, you know, I, I want to get your take on it because, you know, as, as a Raider fan, um, I, I'm not in love uh, with the rugs pick, but it's certainly, it's certainly an Al Davis type of pick, um, but I think he, he's a little bit better than just a speedster, uh, you know, with Henry Ruggs out of Alabama. 
Well, yeah, he is, but that's the thing, is you need somewhat of a creative offensive coordinator to get him the ball, and I don't think that Greg Olson's that guy. Uh, Henry Ruggs, um, not many people know, is that even though he is a 4-2 guy, uh, speed-wise, is that he didn't have as many deep plays as Jerry Judy did in college. Not even mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like the My issue with Henry Ruggs is that he was arguably the fourth best receiver on his team. Now, granted, that was probably the best receiving core that you probably... I, I don't know if I've ever seen a better college receiving core than what they had in Alabama. Uh, it was kind of ridiculous. But the reason I don't like it is that Jerry Judy was still on the board. Jerry Judy is a, a locked-in talent, a guy that translate you don't have any question marks about. You don't have to worry about. Stop reaching for these guys with crazy speed and saying, oh, I, I really think they can pan out. No, Jerry Judy is the guy that will pan out. You take a safe pick because you need an alpha wide receiver. You have Tyrell Williams, a guy that averages over 15 yards per reception over his career. You have Hunter Renfro playing the slot role, whether you like him or not. Uh, I mean, he's a boring player to me, but they needed an alpha, and that's why they traded for Antonio Brown just last year. Mm -hmm. And Jerry Judy can do all the things that they wanted Antonio Brown to do. It's just without the crap. And it's like (laughs) to take Henry Ruggs with Judy on the board makes absolutely zero sense to me. And it's not to say that Henry Ruggs can't pan out. I don't think that this is an offense where that guy is going to succeed a whole lot. Um, let's, I mean, let's be real. This team, this team didn't even use Josh Jacobs in the passing game like they should have. Right. I don't like Greg Olson as a coordinator. Uh, Gruden, uh, I like John Gruden as a guy. I don't think that he's best fit for the NFL today. I think the NFL is changing, and you need an evolving mind to do that. Um, I, I hated this pick. I really did. <laughs> and I mean, again. I, People could talk about rugs. It's it's not to say that he can't be a player in this league. I viewed him as something in between a Ted Ginn and a, Ty- and a Tyreek Hill. He's not Tyreek Hill. He's not Ted Ginn. He's somewhere in between those two. Uh, so if he pans out, is like a, he could be a fine receiver, but but he's not an he's not an X. He's not a guy that you're going to put on the line of scrimmage and, and go. And then later in the draft, I know they grab Brian Edwards, a guy that I actually like. Um, who, but who is I don't, an X? Who is a true X wide receiver one type of guy? Well, that would be Jerry Judy. <laughs> Jerry Judy's the guy. Like honestly, Jerry Judy's the guy. Can he can literally play anywhere? You can you can put X Y Z. It doesn't matter. He's we talked to Terrell Owens on the on a on our podcast a couple weeks ago, and I I was honored to talk to a Hall of Fame wide receiver, and I wanted to ask him the question that had been burning with me because I when I watch college wide receivers, I always say route running, route running, route running. That's what I want to see. I don't care about what he can do. Like he could sky over a player like Josh Doxson. Mm-hmm. I want to see a guy that can create separation, create a big t- target for his uh, quarterback. I loved Calvin Ridley, loved him. Um, Amari Cooper was one of my favorites. And it's just weird that these guys are both out of Alabama. And then we have Jerry Judy. Um, but these guys just like they are route running like they're just so good. Jamar Chase is going to be one of those guys next year. Um, uh, but Judy. So I asked him without even I didn't even set up my opinion on it. I said, what is the the skill that translates most from a college wide receiver that we should look to that, that most easily translates and that you that would make you feel comfortable taking a wide receiver? And T.O. said, absolutely. It's route running. Um, uh he like he was just saying that basically if you can create separation anywhere if you're able to cut if you're able to stop and go and if you're able to, to run all nine routes all these things are going to come and that's like the most natural transition yes the, the nfl is going to be faster and you're not going to be able to separate as much as you did in college but if you're able to do those things it's it's a it's a skill that is not easily acquired and if you don't have it by the time you're entering the nfl it's unlikely you're ever going to be a, a truly ter- terrific route runner that's why cd lamb to me was the clear-cut number two in this draft because mm-hmm. he didn't have the the chops that uh, Jerry Judy did. Ruggs does have, he can run routes and that, that's all fine and dandy. But if you break down and you actually look at the wide receivers over the NFL history that have run those four, two forties, 
a lot of them haven't panned out. And because there, there's a whole, there's, there's different parts. I believe Henry Ruggs benefited from having Jerry Judy, you know, on his side, having the other wide receivers that were on Alabama there for, to make, to give him some room to do some things. Like Jerry Judy clears out a defense. And if you give Ruggs, you know, those screen passes and allow him to run after the catch, he's going to do extremely well. I don't think that the Raiders have that player. Yeah. I don't know if Henry Ruggs sees over 80 targets. I, I want to say that he should. I mean, if you're drafting him at 12 overall, you got to target the guy, but I just don't know if they have it. I, I did not like this pick for the Raiders. I also didn't like their number 19 pick with Damon Arnett. That was a reach. Uh, if you like Arnett, that's fine, but trade back. I mean, you guys didn't have a second round pick. Um, there had to be a team willing to move up to 19 uh, to take someone there and then move back to the you know, end of the first round, beginning of the second round. You, could, I mean, the Chargers traded their second and third round picks to move up to 23. They would have probably been interested in moving in there. Um, I like their 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 you know, third and fourth round picks better than I did their first round. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so I ended up giving him a C minus, but uh, I, I just felt like with who was on the board, it, it was a letdown. Well, and I think for the AFC West too, when you have, you know, you have guys like Tyree kill, you know, and you, and you yep. see the Kansas city chiefs just loaded with speed and you're facing yep. them twice a year. And, and I was actually at uh, the game up in Oakland last year when the chiefs came to town and, and we're just running all over the place, you know, with Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, uh, just tearing up, the Raiders secondary. And I think that's what, you know, they're, they're trying to look for. I think that's why the Denver Broncos got KJ Hamler. I think they're just trying to get a lot more speed in the AFC West. So I, from that standpoint, I understand it from the standpoint of, you know, the people that hate on Derek Carr and say he can't throw deep. Well, Henry Ruggs is really good at catching a slant route, you know, and really mm-hmm. good at taking the ball from the line of yep. scrimmage or a short route and then, and, and doing something with it. But with CD lamb still there with Jerry Judy still there and then letting Jerry Judy go to the, to the AFC West rival Denver Broncos. Yeah, I was, you know, right before the pick, I, I was on a live stream, um, you know, so they were getting my instant reaction and, and it was such mixed feelings, you know, and, and I'm tweeting right before, give me Lamb, you know, because Lamb was my number one just from the the, the aggression standpoint and, and have kind of had that fit for a Raider type of uh, mentality. But mm-hmm. yeah, to see Ruggs go there is, <laughs> I just I just had to laugh because I was like, yeah, that's that's an Al Davis pick for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, he's he's super happy. They even talked about it. Uh, Mark, um, Mark Davis and Mike Mayock, you know, that like I would be happy right now. And I don't know how I feel about it, you know, and I know there's a lot yeah. of guys on in Raider uh, Twitter that were that were, you know, pumping rugs in it the whole time. Rugs, no matter what was was their hashtag. And um, <laughs> I, I was fighting with them, you know, all offseason. I, I didn't I didn't see that guy. I, I you know, exactly what you're saying. You know, Jerry Judy's a much better route runner um, would be a more polished and, and complete receiver to especially start. Really, yeah, you can put right alongside Tyrell Williams. They complement each other yeah. well. You have Renfro there, and then if you wanted to take Bowden, if you wanted to take Brian Edwards, great. Uh, I don't think you need to take Brian Edwards if you have Jerry Judy. It's almost like that was the pick of Edwards is almost necessary. Um, and I, it it might be the end of Tyrell Williams' career uh, yeah. in Las Vegas, but um, yeah, Bowden about I. I don't know, man. I, I feel like that. I feel like I feel like they drafted. I think you hit the nail on the head. Is that they're? It's like everybody looks at the Chiefs and they say, "Oh, they have this. They have yes. this." They also have Andy Reid and Patrick Holmes. Right. Um. That's a, that's a very important part of that puzzle. And Andy Reid is has been so underrated over his time. And I'm so glad that he finally got his championship because one of the best offensive minds, and he continually evolves too. And that's the part what you have to love about him. And that's the part where guys like Greg Olson and, and Gruden, they haven't really done that. Uh, again, I really do. I actually think John Gruden's an awesome dude. I would love to have a beer with that guy. Oh, be uh, amazing. But, but uh, as a coach, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. You know, and, and I think they're they're trying to give Derek 
Um, and I think they tried to do it this last year, try to give him all the weapons to succeed and really yeah. prove himself. And I think this is, especially with Marcus Mariota there now, I think this is the, the time where if he doesn't show up, be successful with all these weapons around him, that, that he's done, <clears throat> that either Marcus is going to take over or they're going to draft someone new next year or both and, 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 and move on, you know, and then this is the last year for Carr, um, to, to really prove it or not. Um, you, you know, and you, you mentioned their second pick in the first round, uh, Damon Arnett. And yeah, that, that one too, that, that was a, that was an interesting one for me. Um, I, I try to justify, I guess, a little bit when I look at like people like Walter Football, uh, for WalterFootball.com, WalterFootball.com, um, having him ranked as, as his, like, I think it was quarterback four or five. Um, and, and one person above him was Christian Fulton. And so yep. to see Christian drop, um, out of the first round, that was what really surprised me, you know, and it's one thing to pass or it's one thing to, you know, reach for Damon Arnett, but to pass on Christian Fulton, um, was a little bit shocking. And, and, and I'm curious what other, um, teams saw that all the scouts in the offseason, you know, didn't see, you know, that the, there was some reason that he wasn't a first round talent like a lot of us thought he was. Well, Damon Arnett was known to, so starting with Arnett, he was known to have some character issues coming out of high school is that he was known as somebody that would yell at coaches. He was very cocky, uh, was getting better at Ohio State. And I thought he would fall in the draft a little bit just because teams weren't able to sit, have those sit downs, those one on ones. I believe that Oakland was targeting AJ Terrell at 19 and the Falcons kind of ruined that uh, when they took him at six, uh, 15, 16. Uh, so that's where I think that's what I think happened. It was like, all right, we're just going to grab our guy. We're going to reach for him, whatever. But Fulton. There were a lot of cornerbacks that came off the board after mm-hmm. Arnett in between Fulton and Fulton fall all the way to 61 of the Titans. Um, I don't know. I, I can't explain it. Fulton did have some. He had some, he got suspended for a little bit in college. So there was some off the field stuff there. I I had him as my number two cornerback. Him and CJ Henderson were kind of like interchangeable for me, like two yeah. or three. So I liked Fulton quite a bit. Um, I was shocked. And when the Bears came on the clock, because the Bears are my team that you know I root for, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> um, when, when they came up, I was like, Oh, Fulton's still there. Like take him. You know, I, Anton Winfield is another guy that I was really hoping the bears would consider, uh, in the second, second round. So when Ful- Fulton was still there and then they take Jalen Johnson, I'm like, uh, I mean, Jalen Johnson's fine in the second round, but knowing that Fulton was there, I was a little disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was surprising, you know, and, and that happens, I think every draft, but, but someone like him, um, yeah, I, I was just really shocked. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of started, I think, you know, uh, with this, with everyone's box kind of falling apart a little bit, you know, as things started to change. Um, and I know one player that, that fantasy football Twitter was really high on that other football analysts or just the general public was really shocked on this pick, but I really like it. And that's Jalen Rager, uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he could have really good, uh, season, uh, career there and, and, and flourish in that type of offense, especially with all that speed. Um, that he brings and, and just, you know, the guy's talented, you know, he's super talented. And I think we've been pumping him up on Twitter all off season, uh, to, so to see him go 21 was pretty sweet. It was nice. And I liked Rager as a pick and a lot of people dropped him after the combine. I've, I just felt like he was a guy that just put on too much weight, was trying to, um, impress people that he could put on some weight and still run a fast time. And it really mm-hmm. affected obviously his measurables, but he's a baller on the field. I like Jalen Rager. 
Do I think that he should have gone over Justin Jefferson? Mm, yeah, that's that's questionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The reason I say that is especially when you come like to the fit on the team because Philadelphia right now they currently have Deshaun Jackson and, and Alshon Jeffrey. Who I mean, let's be real; those guys are probably around for one more year, and that's it. Uh, so to to have Rager around Deshaun Jackson, they're different players for sure. Rager's a little bit more beefy of a player, uh, can absorb some more hits than Deshaun Jackson can, but he's going to benefit learning from someone like that. But this is a team that if they if they really believe they have a Super Bowl contending roster, um, take Justin Jefferson. He could play in the slot. He's that big slot receiver that basically replaces Nelson Aguilar, is a much better version of Nelson Aguilar. Um, there's a reason that he led LSU in, wide, in receiving. Uh, really good player. Uh, I liked him a lot, and I felt like the fit. I mean, he was a mock draft favorite uh, to go to the Eagles. It kind of just made all the sense in the world. Uh, and then you had Rager, who could be on the board for, you know, if the, the Vikings wanted to go that route, they could have done that. But it was a little shocking, but at the same time, this is good for his uh, fantasy prospects. I do like Rager there. And again, even if he's not like a crazy stud this year, you're going to have Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey gone in a year, yep. and he'll kind of be the guy. Yeah, and, and then, uh, you know, it was funny to see, um, you know, I talked to other Eagles fans, just people that didn't know him, you know, and they were like, oh, God, what was this pick? I'm like, no, 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 you're going to be happy with this pick. You're going to, just because yeah. you don't know him or know much about him, like, it's not a bad pick. Um, I, I can agree though too with the Jeff, Justin Jefferson being right after him. Um, I think that's a great landing spot for Jefferson. I mean, he could slot in right away opposite Adam Thielen and, and get some stuff done. Um, because you know Ola B. C. Johnson, he, he's he's got some talent, but you know I don't think he's the guy. And I think Jefferson is is much more talented than he is, and so uh, I'm expecting big things for him uh, right in year one. <clears throat> Um, yeah, Jefferson, Jefferson, I just worry about the low volume passing offense there. Like the Vikings, they're clearly a team that wants to run the ball a lot. And even Diggs last year, I mean, what did he, he just got over, just over a hundred targets. And that was with Thielen hurt the entire year. Right. Like uh, he was, he was struggling with injuries coming off. I think he played half the season. Uh, but yeah, Diggs never really got a whole lot of targets there. I like Jefferson and maybe that offense changes over time. But uh, right now it, it's just a little difficult because it's such a low volume offense. They want to run the ball. They want to play good defense. And, you know, can they play good defense? They added a couple of good corners. Gladney at the end of the first and then Cameron Dantzler in the third. Um, I felt like the Vikings had a, a pretty dang good draft. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And um, NFC North just got a little bit tougher. Um, you know, and, and the next one, um, fantasy relevant uh, player off the board, uh, Brandon Ayuk to to uh, the San Francisco 49ers who, who moved up to get him. Um, you know, this is a, a real interesting pick in, in my opinion. Um because the guy, you know, he he can he, he almost reminds me of a Debo, but he's not Debo. You know, and he, he can take the mm-hmm. ball and he's he's good with the ball in his hands. He rack up the rack yards, um, but but you know, I wasn't exactly sure if if the Niners needed a uh, receiver that early in the draft, but clearly they thought differently. Yeah, to trade up to get him, we were shocked in the live stream talking about that. Uh, Yates and I were both like inconsistent on Brandon Ayuk. He was one of the toughest guys to to kind of uh to scout because mm-hmm. I'd, I'd watched i remember i when i the first game i watched i was like why is this guy considered getting first round consideration i didn't understand it at all and then i watched another game and it was like a little bit better and then it was another one i was like wow he looked really good there and then i started to realize this guy is like a ramped up speed guy he doesn't have the stop and go speed um but he does ramp up speed and he can get open down the field because of that um he is good you know as a he can work on special teams as someone that again you ramp up that speed and he is he's got solid vision in the open field uh but at the same time it, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like he was worth the 125 pick. Certainly not worth trading up to get him because I, I think he would have lasted there. And if let's pretend that the Packers did were in front of the 49ers, which they were by a pick. I mean, the Packers they didn't take a, a wide receiver the entire draft, so oh. they would have screwed it up anyways. But 
let's pretend that Ayuk came off the board. Denzel Mims was still there, and I felt like Mims was a better player than Ayuk. Uh, there was a few. There was a few players on the board that were I liked more. And again, it's clear that they have a, a, a like a clear cut role for Ayuk here. But I did not like the pick very much. And I don't think fantasy players are going to like it very much either. Debo is still going to be the, the number one there. This is a team that still wants to run the ball a ton. They still have great judge or George Kittle uh, in the red zone. Obviously, all over the field, he's going to be a target monster. Ayuk, I would be shocked if he netted more than 75 targets in this offense. And that's not going to amount to nothing, nothing crazy. He'll have a game here and there where he kind of goes off and you're like wondering if you pick him up. But uh, he's more of like a wide receiver four or five on a fantasy team uh, that. I wasn't really interested in the landing spot. Yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, it's you know, and, and at the end of the day, they still have Jimmy G throwing the ball uh, to yep. to those receivers. So um, you know, he, he's going to need to do a lot more than he did in the playoffs and the Super Bowl uh, to to really get those guys the ball. But you know, in, in Shanahan's offense, you know, I, I think he's just trying to find those weapons, and, and he definitely has them in the backfield and, and with Kittle, and you know, hopefully. Um, yeah, hopefully it's just it's just getting other guys to spread the ball around to and open up well, that offense the, a little bit more. Yeah, one of the odd stats I came across though, when working on like uh, like because I do this this article, it's 175 interesting stats from the 2019 season, and I, I found in there Jimmy Garoppolo is actually it's crazy. I'm not <laughs> this is weird, but Jimmy Garoppolo was the best deep ball passer in the league last year, but he threw the ball like half as much as any other quarterback deep. He, he they didn't take any shots deep, and I'm guessing that's why they wanted to add someone like Ayuk, someone that can stretch the field. I felt like if you wanted to trade up, I thought Rager was a guy that might fall to them at 31. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually thought Rager would be a good fit in that offense alongside Debo, uh, but he didn't. And uh, I just think Ayuk is, I, I don't think he's going to fill the role that they want him to, but I think that they think he's going to, right. uh, to help, you know, get some of those deep targets. But um, it'll be interesting to say the least. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <clears throat> and then you already touched on him a little bit. Uh, and that's, that's the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I, I think, um, Man, talk about uh, taking an L for, for the draft. Worst draft I've ever seen. Oh, I'm not man. saying that. Yeah, it's you know, just, I was like, did Gettleman go over there? Or what's going on? You know, like, who, who's who's calling the shots? Um, you, you know, and it's sad, too, because I, I like Jordan Love a lot as a prospect. I, I liked, um, you know, I was real curious to see where he's going to land and where he's going to end up. And and I, and I get it. You know, uh, the he was drafted. Uh, was it uh, Aaron Rodgers is the same age as Brett Favre was when they drafted Rodgers, right? So, you know, maybe this is their next heir apparent, you know, quarterback, their, their project quarterback for a couple of years. And then, you know, Rodgers gets traded or retires and, and love is the guy. But, yeah, it's to, to bank on that, you know, in the first round when at this point you probably could have got Jordan Love, you know, outside the first round. Um, I, I was just shocked. You know, you, you, they need receivers. They need, um, receivers. Did, did I mention they need receivers? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. and so to get love here was, was just a shocker. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for, for dynasty, uh, you know, for dynasty players in your rookie drafts, I mean, if you have a spot and, you know, especially in the super flex in like the late second, you know, that's, it's definitely worth a stash at this point, maybe. Uh, for love to just have him, you know, ride the pine for a couple of years and then, and then he's the guy. But, um, seeing him go to the Packers and just sit behind Aaron Rodgers for a few years was disappointing. My take on this is like Aaron Rodgers should be pissed and he has a right to be. Um, he oh, yeah. deserves better. Uh, you know, I, being a Bears guy, like people are going to say that, oh, you're hating the Packers just because they're the Packers and they're your <laughs> rivals. No, I'm not. I, I've actually said that Aaron Rodgers is the, is the best quarterback I've ever watched play football. And I've watched Brady. I've watched Manning. I've watched a lot of these guys. 
and uh, the best quarterback I've ever seen, like the most talented, I should say. Um, not the most accomplished, obviously, but I think part of that comes down to what he has around him. And what you've seen the last couple of years out of Rodgers is people are think his skill is declining. I don't see that. I What I see is a guy that doesn't want to, to, he doesn't take risks. And it's something that Brady throughout his career stopped doing. You know, they just don't take risks. They don't want to throw interceptions. And that's obviously a good thing. But when you have receivers that aren't generating separation outside of Devontae Adams, you're going to see a lot of throwaways. You're going to see a lot of throwing into the dirt. You're going to see just not high, not crazy numbers out of him just because he's not willing to take those risks. And some people want him to do that, but get some, get in some players, guys. I mean, you have a team that went to the NFC championship this year. Okay. Now, granted they were a 13 and three team, maybe the worst 13 and three team I've seen. And I said that going into the playoffs. So this isn't like after the fact, but they still made it to the NFC championship because Aaron Rodgers is good enough that he's going to carry a team. That's maybe not even that great. In the first three rounds, you take a backup quarterback, not just take him, you, you draft, you trade up to draft a backup quarterback, you right. draft a third string running back in AJ Dillon, and then you draft a backup tight end who you're, 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 you're calling a fullback that you want to be Kyle Juszczyk. Even best case scenario, Kyle Juszczyk might get traded for a third round pick. So you're talking about you drafted that guy with the best case scenario <laughs> being that third round pick. The Packers blew this draft like in so many different ways. It's unbelievable. It's almost like they don't realize that they have a Hall of Fame quarterback on their roster who is still in his prime. And, and so as for the Brett Favre thing, Brett Favre was talking about retirement multiple Before years, that, right. kept threatening to do it, <laughs> and the Packers had no choice. And also, the Packers next year under Brett Favre went 4-12. and I promise you, a team led by Aaron Rodgers will not go four and twelve. Aaron Rodgers, even if he plays with the worst crap around him, like that you just gave him, he's still gonna. I mean, at worst, he's gonna go eight and eight, nine and seven. That's at worst. Aaron Rodgers deserves so much better. Uh, And honestly, I said after this, and I put it up on Twitter, I said, "Is it possible that Aaron Rodgers asked for a trade?" I would, and I'm being, I'm being completely honest and saying, you guys, it, it's almost like you guys just are putting all this on me and you're not giving me anything to work with. There's a stat that came out yesterday. Aaron Rodgers has thrown 300 and I think it's like 364 touchdowns uh, in the, at this point in his career. Do you know how many of them have gone to a player that has been drafted in the first round? Oh gosh, none. One. What? <laughs> One. That is absolutely stupid. And I know Devontae Adams is a first-round talent, but he didn't go in the first round. And the Packers, in the deepest wide receiver class that we have ever seen potentially. So many receivers. You don't draft a single wide receiver. That's a joke. (sighs) An absolute joke. And I think I knocked, I think I mocked Jefferson to them at one point. Um, you know, but at this point in the draft, yeah, we still have Denzel Mims on the board, still have T. Higgins on the board, still have a lot of other guys that would have been really good to compliment Devontae Adams on the other side and give Rodgers another weapon. So, yeah, it, it's uh, I had to get your take on that one. Um, it, it's been really funny to see uh, the memes and, and, and stuff go around Twitter about, about the Packers draft. And uh, one of my best friends is, is a Packers fan, so I was just giving it to him the whole draft, and, and he was just hating life. So They can't defend it. There's no, I mean, even Packers yeah. fans aren't trying to defend that draft. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, moving on on the first round, um, one team that, that gosh, got a possible steal. I mean, a, a player that fits their scheme and, and gives them a, a, a nice weapon on defense, a team that loves their defense. Um, you know, Patrick Queen going to the Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. I thought was a great, great pickup for them, um, especially with the team in front of them. Uh, going Jordan, going with Jordan Brooks, and I know they were really high. The, the Seattle Seahawks were really high on Jordan Brooks, um, but but that was a little bit of uh, 
I don't want to say a head scratcher because, you know, when you, when you kind of dive into it, uh, I, I could see why they liked him so much, but I definitely was surprised. Um, he wasn't a name that I was seeing going in the first round at all. No, it, Jordan Brooks should not gone in the first round. That's that. I mean, it's weird because the Seahawks typically trade back and, you know, it's fine. I, I kind of feel the same way about the Seahawks as I do about the Patriots. I don't think that they draft very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason that I, uh, I think that the reason that they're continually competitive is because they have two of the the best coaches in the league. Uh, Bill Belichick is still, to me, the greatest coach of all time. Um, and then Pete Carroll, it's top five coach in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, he gets the most out of his players. And and that could be what it is. You know, they draft, uh, I know New England in particular says, we don't really look at a complete player. We look at what each player does well. And we, we say, how does he fit our scheme? And, you know, they identify players that do that and do it well. And then they move on. You know, they don't even pay anybody. But like, we'll find someone else to do it. And that's a sign of, you know, the genius of Bill Belichick. But, um, yeah, the the Seahawks. This was a terrible pick for them. I, the Ravens getting Queen there. I, it was best case scenario. I think everybody and their grandmother mocked Patrick Queen to the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I thought they might have to trade up to do it. And then when they got on the clock, I was like, okay, run up to the run up to the board and do it. Like make the pick. <laughs> they, do right their now. clock their clock went all the way down to like I think it was forty five seconds or something like that. And I was kind of surprised. I'm like, are they not going to take Queen here? Because the longer they stay on the clock, the more it has me worried that they're going to screw this up. But they took him, and you know he absolutely fits that defense. Yeah, yeah, great pick. Um, and, and, you know, and, and I'm sure Pete Carroll and the Seahawks organization is just sitting there, you know, and, and waiting for, for two to three years down the road. Um, you know, if, if Brooks turns into the guy they think he is and they're like, yeah, see, I told you so we knew, we knew something all along. And, and that's one thing I love about the draft is, you know, as, fo- as fancy football analysts, especially just football analysts, people that love the game, um, you know, we do these mock drafts, we, we have, all the scouting reports and, and what makes sense and the team needs and, you know, and who fits best and, 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 you know, our own bias of who we like at certain spots and certain teams. But at the end of the day, the teams and the organization is just going to do what they think is best, you know, and, and yeah. they're, they have their guys, they have their guys. They're totally set on that. No one's heard about it. No one's had there and it doesn't make sense, but to them it does, you know, and, and this is why we always have guys that, are, are going to be a bust. You know, there's there's someone in this first round list that, as great as all these prospects are, there's somebody in this list that's going to be a total bust in the NFL. And I'm really curious to see who it's going to be when the class is so loaded. And hopefully it's none of them. Hopefully this is just one of the best offensive uh, wide receiver and, and, and skill position classes that we've had in a long time. And these guys all ball out. But most likely not, it's it's not going to be that way, you know. And so I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen uh, as we move forward. But uh, But I like um, you know, a, a lot of the skill and talent that's, that's gone in the first round. Um, I, I think, um, you know, people that are real high just on fantasy um, might have been a little bit disappointed in the amount of cornerbacks and, and offense alignment and, and defense alignment and non-skill positions that were going. But at the end of the day, you know, this is the NFL. This is football. They're going to get those guys to fill in, those guys that need, uh, that aren't sexy picks, that aren't fantasy-relevant players, but they're going to make the team whole. They're going to make the team better. Um, and, and for some people, you know, just reminding them, um, you know, your team gets offensive tackle or offensive alignment and not that wide receiver running back you wanted. Well, it's still going to benefit the running back or wide right. receiver that you wanted because without offensive line, it's not going to happen anyway. Yep. That's why it was interesting. Like a team like the Bengals taking T Higgins at the top of the second. I like Higgins as a player. Uh, I think he's solid, but I, I felt like it was a, a weird pick. Um, <laughs> in terms of what they had, like the needs they had on defense, and granted, they were able to actually um, grab a bunch of linebackers yeah. that I actually like. Um, even uh, Khalid Kareem edge uh, in the fifth round, um, but their offensive line might suffer because of that. They still need some interior linemen. Uh, getting 
their last year's first round pick might help. Uh, right. <laughs> but um, but T Higgins there was interesting, and that's why there was a few teams like the Cowboys. I actually I absolutely love their draft, but when they made the pick of CD Lamb, I was kind of like. I felt like that was a luxury pick because we we knew they needed a third wide receiver, but Michael Gallup has been absolutely phenomenal as a, a number two to Amari Cooper. Uh, but then I started, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, you know, they took the best player available on their board and I can't fault them for that. They got a good player, but then you think about like the needs they had. But then when you start looking at what they did in the rest of the draft, that's why I love the Cowboys draft after the fact, because like the Eagles screwed up. They, they screwed up. Like you don't trade your your rival that pick to come up and take Tyler Biadash out of, out of Wisconsin. A guy that's going to walk in and start for center to replace the retired Travis Frederick. Like the Cowboys just had that fall into their lap, and um, well, I shouldn't say fall into their lap. They traded up to get him, but <laughs> wow, um, they had a great draft. Yeah, yeah, and, and and you know, I saw I saw a tweet. I think it was this morning or late last night. Um, talking about you know, Mari Cooper. I think doesn't have any guaranteed money for next year, or they have an option. Uh, to get out of that contract next year. So, you know, if, if Amari is still the guy and they, and they keep him on, you know, with Gallup there and, and Lamb, that's definitely a really talented wide receiver core. Um, mm-hmm. but if, you know, eventually they move on from, from that big contract of Amari, you know, then they got a guy like Lamb that can step in the opposite Gallup right away. And, you know, now it's the Lamb Gallup show in, in Dallas and that's not too bad either. No, definitely not. And the Amari Cooper contract, someone had mentioned that and they can get out of it after 2021. Um, cause they would take a $28 million cap hit. <laughs> like, so they're not going to do that. Um, and honestly, Jerry Jones, let's be real. Like he's actually one of those play, like the players coaches, like he gave Ezekiel Elliott a contract extension when he didn't really, he probably shouldn't have in terms of like tying up a running back, but the numbers aren't egregious for Amari in terms of where the NFL is headed with wide receivers. So the time they would, so the, the potential out would be after the 2021 season. And my guess is that they're the contract that they have with Amari is going to look somewhat cheap at that point. So I, I think Amari's going to be around for the long run. Well, we will see because I think all the listeners of the two-on-one know how much I despise Amari Cooper called the fantasy locust. But that's okay. That's why we have different opinions. And we have diff- uh, and that's why you listen to our show and, and all the other uh, fantasy football analysts out there because, you know, we're all going to have different opinions on players. And, and you know, I think uh, as an X-Rater, I definitely liked him at one point. But now, yeah, it's a different story. But let's move on. Let's keep it light and, and talking about, uh, you know, I think one of the best uh, landing spots in this draft uh, definitely shot him up uh, on the rookie uh, rankings uh, was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to the Kansas City Chiefs at the end of the first round. Um, I mean, are, are, how do you feel about it? Are you in agreement with me? I mean, that he falls in a great position to a great team and, and an opportunity, um, you know, to, if not, to be the starting running back, if not right away, pretty soon, because, you know, I don't think Damian Williams is that guy, and and Edward Solaire is full of talent. Oh, he started right away. (laughs) He was actually my number one running back coming into the draft, so um, a a lot of people were shocked to hear that, that I had him over Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift, but uh, Edward Solaire was someone that I felt fit today's NFL better than those guys, um, that he is he's like Ray Rice and Rice mm-hmm. was like, he was, he was like, like, he's a guy that obviously is low center of gravity, very elusive. Uh, he's not, and that's the thing is a smaller back that people talk about him as he's not easy to tackle. Uh, it's because he's so low. And that's what like Doug Martin had that Ray Rice had that they're just slippery guys uh, to get your hands on. And Edward Solaire, if you need him to, he can catch 80 passes out of the backfield, has experience with LSU going to the biggest stage. Uh, they asked Patrick Mahomes, who do you want? And they basically like gave him the green light said, who do you want? He said, Clyde. Uh, and then Andy Reid came out and said he believes that Edward Solaire is better than Brian Westbrook on film. 
those are the, the con- like the compliment you, you can't compliments. get me higher. Uh, Andy Reid has drafted two uh, running backs in the first round over the course of his career. The other one was LaShawn McCoy and now Edwards Hilaire. Uh, He's the 101. They now have a fifth round option on or a fifth year option on him on his contract for taking him at the end of the first round. So you basically have five years of him in Kansas City. He's the 101 pick in Dynasty Leagues. And I would say that he's worth a second round pick in redraft leagues. Love the player. Love the fit. Everything about it is going to be fantastic. Um, like I said, he was my number one running back coming in, so uh, this only solidified that. <laughs> uh, I, felt, I felt he was being undervalued uh, before the NFL drafted because he was going in rookie drafts. You were having him go anywhere from like 107 to 109. Yep. Uh, but yeah, he uh, man, I'm, I'm happy for him because he deserved to go to a spot that actually would understand how to use his skill set. Yeah, yeah, one of, one of my favorite landing spots. Um, I think I had him as definitely a top five running back for me. Um, but yeah, I think he's just gonna he's just gonna feast in that offense, uh, and I yeah. think um, you know again as, as a Raiders fan, um, you know, not necessarily a direct rival, but watching the AFC West, I mean that that offense is is loaded now, um, and mm-hmm. so it's gonna be real interesting to see if they can repeat, um, or, or at least you know in Mahomes' career uh, get to the Super Bowl multiple times because if you know with Andy Reid around and that that much amount of talent and speed on that offense um it, it's just gonna be insane to watch um yep. so yeah you know and you know that wraps up our, our first first round um you know we mentioned t higgins a little bit but but you know it was it was definitely a mixed bag of, of fantasy relevant players and, and just uh a bunch of non-skill position players that that all were great in their own right um but i knew you know and i was tweeting about this after that first day that that day two was going to be filled with a lot more fancy relevant players, a lot more receivers and running backs going off the board. And, and that's pretty much how it started, you know, with T Higgins and then Michael Pittman Jr. to, uh, to the Colts. And then right after that, DeAndre Swift to the, to the Detroit Lions. And I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people I saw had DeAndre Swift mock to, to the Kansas City Chiefs. So to see him fall to the Lions, almost a little bit surprising, but, but I think it fits. And I believe in, um, your guys' fancy pros, uh, pre draft, uh, uh, pre-draft episode, you guys were talking about. I think it was Edwards Hilaire to to Detroit. Oh, the Bucks, the Bucks would have made sense for him in terms yeah. of like pass catching for Brady. Right, right. You know, and so Swift. Not that Taylor, I thought would have made more sense for the Lions. To be honest with you, just uh, scheme fit. Yeah, I mean, more about what what they want out of that running back because I think Carryon Johnson and DeAndre Swift are too similar. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of like they're going to clash uh, where it it's almost like in direct competition with each other for the work because both are three down options. I don't think either of them are elite at anything, but I think they're both really good at a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and that's what Jonathan Taylor is elite uh, on first and second out work, that early down work. And you could have carry on mixed in as kind of like a guy that you can get eight to 12 touches per game to. Uh, and that's why I think that, you know, Detroit, you go back, they have LeGarrette Blunt, and then they signed uh, CJ Anderson and then they go to Bo Scarborough. They always had that power back. And DeAndre Swift isn't that guy. He's just he's not. And I, I like DeAndre Swift as a running back. I think he's good. I don't think he's great in terms of like elite, but uh, I thought Jonathan Taylor was going to be a better fit. But Taylor going to the Colts, I mean, whoo, behind that offensive line, like he's going to run for a lot of yards. Yeah. 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 So for me, Taylor was my one oh one. Um after that landing spot, I mean I hear you on Edward Solaire, you know, and I think it's pretty close between between C E H and uh and JT, um who you want to get, especially in non super flex leagues, um where you know quarterbacks value a little bit less. Um but yeah, well once I <laughs> once he hits the hits the ground running and, and gets the opportunity and 
you know, in both the situations with, uh, with carry on and Marlon Mack, you know, both highly touted uh, running backs coming into the league. And I think a lot of people had really high hopes um, that they would be good and they are still good, but they both have had injury concerns. So it definitely looks like both teams are, are trying to get their insurance tickets and, and some pretty quality running backs there. Uh, if these guys don't last. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, um, it should be interesting. Like Marlon Mack is, is, is obviously dead um, from a fantasy perspective. And the reason that Jonathan Taylor to me isn't the 101 is because um, Naheem Hines is going to be mixed in a little bit and they still, they're going. So while I just said Mack is dead, like he's, he's like, <laughs> he's kind of dead in terms of like the fact that he's going to get, I, I would imagine they'll give him like five to eight touches per game. Hines is going to be mixed in the passing game. So Taylor will miss out on some of that. It's almost like a Nick Chubb scenario. And that's where right. that's, that's why I don't have him with Edward Hilaire because that, those, that passing down work is so important. And I, Edward Hilaire, that's one of the best things he does. He might, uh, I think it was Graham Barfield that said that he had him marked down as the best pass catching running back since Christian McCaffrey. And that's obviously, you know, a high compliment. Um, so that's why Taylor to me, he's not, a, he's not a great pass catching back. He's competent. And that's why, how I felt about Nick Chubb coming out. Uh, so it's like, okay, he's going to be really good, but he's going to be a little bit limited in terms of, uh, his consistency because he, he's lacking that work in the passing game. Right. Right. You know, and so before we get to, to your team, uh, with their first pick, the Chicago bears, um, I, I want to get your take on, on two of the receivers that went before them too. And, and, you know, we're talking about the Colts, So Michael Pittman, uh, junior to, to the Colts out of USC, um, and then, uh, and then LaVisca Snell, um, to, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, you know, I think those are both, uh, interesting prospects. I know, you know, some people weren't, weren't really sold on those landing spots, but, but personally, I kind of like them. Uh, I, I was really high on Michael Pittman Jr. as a, as a <clears throat> Southern California resident watching USC. You know, I definitely got to see him a lot and the guy, the guy can ball. Um, he's really good, really good receiver. And I think he'll do, you know, some really good things with the Colts. Um, and then, you know, Visca. I think that was, uh, you know, the one interesting, um, measurable, you know, seeing, you know, seeing that he was basically built like Ezekiel Elliott, you know, like the same, same measurable, same height, same weight, um, and, and what he can do with the ball in his hand. You know, I definitely saw some of those, uh, comparisons. Um, but it'll be real interesting to see how, how those two guys slot in for, for fantasy purposes, um, and how high, you know, you would, you would take them in rookie drafts. Yeah, Pittman, I, I liked his landing spot, uh, spot quite a bit. Some people have compared him to Vincent Jackson, and that's obviously Philip Rivers played with him back in L.A., and when he was on the field, he actually did really well. Uh, he compliments T.Y. Hilton extremely well. They needed a, uh, you know, that prototypical number one. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is now, you know, over 30 years old, um, if I'm not mistaken. He mm-hmm. is in the final year of his contract with them. Paris Com- Campbell is not that number one guy. He's kind of like, a, I don't want to say a gadget receiver, but he's more of that slot-heavy wide receiver that they're going to use. They liked him a lot. Um, and then, you know, Zach Pascal, he was never going to be a guy. No. He was, he was, he's a, he's a number four wide receiver for them. And they do uh, use four wide receivers quite a bit. Uh, so it kind of makes sense. But Michael Pittman, biggest body, uh, he's going to become a red zone friend to Phillip Rivers. I do like him even in redraft leagues. I think he's going to have some value because if you look at the cold depth chart in terms of like, who are the guys that, you know, Phillip Rivers is willing to throw up to those big guys. Like Mike Williams got a lot of those targets mm-hmm. last year. Um, and you know who's their number one tight end now i mean they have jack doyle sure but he's that traditional tight end and they're gonna have trey burton as their move tight end i mean i know burton had worked under frank white before <laughs> and uh, whatever but uh <laughs> i think we all know where we're at with trey burton right now so <laughs> I, I think michael Pittman, great landing spot lavisca chanel not really sold on so much I, I didn't feel i felt like that was a pick that they didn't need to make their defense needed a lot of work and granted they did it they did address a lot of the defensive problems they had but uh 
Chenault is, is a guy coming off surgery. Uh, they obviously don't know how well he's recovering from that. He had some core muscle surgery, uh, but they had a starting trio that they could have gone DJ Chark, Chris Conley, who they have one, one more deal, and then they have DJ, uh, DJ Westbrook. Yep. And, and then they like Keelan Cole was even a guy that they signed to a contract, or they, they put a tender on him. So they had four wide receivers that were at least competent. This is not a team that's winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. Uh, I, I, Chenault was never somebody I was like extremely high on in the draft process. I feel like he's fine. But again, he's another guy that I would have liked to have seen with a creative offensive coordinator because I think he could do a lot of different things. Uh, but Jacksonville, uh, Jay Gruden, yeah. you know, it's it's going to change. And Jay Gruden was a great coordinator. I actually liked him as an offensive coordinator, so he may be able to make it work with him. I just felt like it was a little unnecessary. But he's not someone that I I don't even know if he starts right away, to be honest with you. Right, right. Yeah, and, and you know, a guy that like that – is not really a gadget guy, but can probably run the ball or, you know, you can get them on a, a fly sweep. Um, you know, I'm curious if they're using them in, in multiple different ways as opposed to just a pure, you know, split out, wide out. Um, yes, yeah, so that landing spot is, is tricky. And, and I know, pe- I know people that were definitely high on him, uh, coming into the draft. And, and then now, you know, I think his ADP is definitely going to drop a little bit there because, you know, baby Chark's the guy, you know, he's, he's, He's going to be the number one receiver, and and you know, so it's it's curious to see what's going to happen uh, in the long run, uh, especially in this first year. Um, you know, Visca might end up just being a, a stash for for later, and then see what happens. So, you know, some of these guys, it's it, we were we were high on them before, and and some of these guys' landing spots just totally taint um, uh, their potential value, and and so you know, some guys are in great spots, and, and other guys like Visca. You know, not so much. So I'm curious to see how his career is going to play out. He's definitely got some talent. Um, but yeah, you know, with, with that injury history, um, that's going to be, I think, his biggest hurdle um, besides just trying to find a spot on the Jaguars offense that with the crowded offense uh, receiving room and, and yeah, Jay Gruden. I, I do like him as a coordinator, like you, like you said. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I don't think the, the Redskins were running five wide out sets, you know, a bunch and, and being super dynamic with their uh, their style of play. So I'll be curious to see how it goes uh, moving forward. But yeah, let's let's get to uh, let's get to the Chicago Bears, uh, you know, your 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 home team, your rooting team. Um, Cole Komet, you know, <laughs> number one tight end off the board. Uh, one out of 10 tight ends, is it now in, in the Chicago Bears uh, tight end room? Yeah. um without a first round pick um thanks for for trading that away to the raiders we appreciate that um but now um you know getting cole i mean i guess looking out on the upside uh tight end in the future you know tight end in the long run they got with jimmy graham now that they just signed to come in and now um a bunch of guys behind him but I, i would assume um that he's better than the rest of them you know and he could be the guy if not in this year you know in a couple years yeah, Komet is, is a guy that's going to work for any franchise, and I don't think Ryan Pace will be the GM of the Bears next year. Uh, I don't, And I, I don't even know if Matt Nagy makes it through this, to be honest with you, uh, especially if the play calling was like it was last year. It was it was after a very promising uh, rookie campaign for him. Like It was terrible last year. It was like legit awful watching. Um, when I know something's coming as, you know, a spectator, an analyst or whatever, and, and I'm watching it, I, I know that the the opponent, obviously, that studies their own. That's the only game that they study all week. Uh, I know that they know what's coming. So it was pretty rough. But Komet is a guy that does is going to work. He's he's the traditional tight end. Like he can block. Uh, he's very smart. He reminds me of like someone like Jason Witten. Uh, he's not an extreme athlete. I know he ran pretty well at the combine, but he's not 
he's not Noah Fant. He's not those guys. Yeah. Um, he's just a, a smart football player. And I like him as a football player, but I hated the pick uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, the Bears, as you mentioned, they have 10 tight ends in the roster now. Um, you know, we can go back to the Adam Shaheen in the second round. Then we can go to the big signing of Trey Burton. And now we can go to this. And it's like you guys continually try. And, and the, the terrible contract of Jimmy Graham. This is just like a boiling point for me where, unfortunately, Cole Komet's on the receiving end of it, and uh, it, it really sucks. But again, I, I hated the pick because the Bears have other needs. Cornerback was one of them, which they did. You know, they, they took a cornerbacks, a couple of cornerbacks, I should say. So I'm not mad about that, but they needed interior offensive linemen. Uh, you know, Kyle Long was declining in play due to injuries, and then he ended up ultimately retiring. And if you watch the Bears last year, you know that a lot of problems they had in that passing game was because Trubisky was under duress a lot. And that offensive yeah. line play was terrible. And it wasn't just the interior. The tackles weren't even very good. Charles Leno um, was not very good. Uh, Bobby Massey, you know, these guys were not they're not top tier offensive tackles, even though they had played better. And I think that was a result of the guard play interior. So everything kind of fell apart. So to see them not address that interior of the offensive line until the seventh round with a couple picks, it's a joke. Um, safety, you know, they, they lose first Adrian Amos in free agency last year. Then they bring in haha Clinton Dix. They lose him. And it's like, now we're going to go forward. What Dion Bush, I, yeah. there's a lot of things wrong with the bears and, uh, and pace continually trades up in drafts and he wants to give away future picks. Then the, the next year you have to deal with that. Right. And that's why this year it's like they had two picks in the top 150. It's an issue. Um, so I, I'm I'm not very happy with the Bears right now, uh, as you could probably tell. <laughs> uh, but it is what it is, and you know we're fans. We kind of ride through these ups and downs, yep. and that's part of being. I guess that's part of being a fan. You know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again: is that one of the cool things in sports is going through the rides uh, with teams. Like I, I've been a White Sox fan. I had been a Sox fan since I was a kid, and then to see the World Series in 2005, it was fun. Yeah. Um, I want to see the Bears, you know, win a Super Bowl because I was three years old, unfortunately, when they won in '85. <laughs> uh, so. I mean, it just sucks because this team was close and I think they had chances, but uh, that that time may have passed. And again, I think that this team will be having I think they will have a new GM in 2021. Yeah. And you're right, Tags. I mean, that that is part of being a fan, you know, and, and I hate these fair weather fans that, that, you know, are switching teams every year or the team yep. makes a bad move and they're done. And it's like, that's not what being a fan's about. You got to you have to ride with your team. And, and I think, you know, fans of teams that, that haven't been amazing, you know, and that's, you know, getting to the Super Bowl, you know, in the last five, 10 years, you know, the last couple of decades, uh, you know, those, those are re not real fans, but those are fan diehard fans. Those are fans that know how to stick by their team. Obviously, I'm a Raiders fan, so we all know, you know, how it's been for since what, 2000. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, you, you have to ride with your team. You have to ride through the ups and downs and, and, and it make, and those downs make the ups so much sweeter, you know, and then when they do win the Super Bowl the next time, it, it's, it's phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. Like, like the White Sox, like the Red Sox, like, you know, any other team that's had, uh, that's been out of it for a long time. I mean, even the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs went how many years, you know, before getting back there. And, um, you know, that's just part of the game, but yeah, to, you know, you have a need, you know, the Bears have a need for, for safety and Grant Delpit and, and Antoine Winfield go right after, you know, and I think those both, both the uh, Browns and, and the Bucks were just waiting, you know, hoping that, that the Bears uh, mess that one up for them. And, um, yep. and there's definitely other guys there, you know, and, and I don't want to go through like every single pick in this draft and, and go through, you know, every round. There's definitely some guys that stood out, uh, but I wanted to get your take on, on, I guess, best and worst landing spots, you know, like one player that, that landed it, for fantasy purposes, um, and even just for NFL too, uh, in, in the best possible situation. 
Yeah, I'm going to go deeper because I think everybody has talked about the the guys that are, you know, high up, like, you know, the the top, the first round guys. But yeah. I'm going to go down to the fifth round. The Detroit Lions selected Quintez Cephas, yeah. was, was a wide receiver out of Wisconsin. Love the player. I absolutely love him. And uh, he was falling down draft boards a little bit. I think part of it stems from him being there was a there was a, a sexual assault charge. or not, uh, I don't remember the actual name of the charge. So forgive me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, but basically it was these girls were drinking and like they ended up they're trying to say that there was not uh, consent. And as it played out in court, there were like witnesses that said there was consent. And it was like almost clear cut and dry and that these girls had tried to pull a scam before and he was released on it, but it's still a, a negative mark on his name. And it's something that drew, drew attention to him. But this dude on the field, I mean, he's a baller. Uh, I actually had him as my number eight wide receiver in the draft. Uh, I loved him and I, I figured he would fall. I was really hoping that he would go like the end of the third round, beginning of the fourth, because I felt like when you start falling down the draft board a little bit, you're you're going to lose some of that opportunity to to become you know a starter. You kind of have to clean that depth chart. But fortunately for him, the reason I like this spot so much is because Marvin Jones is on the final year of his deal. Yeah. Uh, he's going to move on. They have Kenny Galladay, yes, uh, but then they have Danny Amendola, who's also on the final year of his deal. They signed Geronimo Allison in free agency. This depth chart is nothing. Like yeah. he can climb that depth chart. I have no issue with that. And again, when Marvin Jones leaves, Quintus Cephas might be that starting wide receiver opposite uh, Kenny Galladay. And his talent will shine like just because he played at Wisconsin. Don't write him off. I, I like right. him a lot. And another one I will give you um, Donovan Peoples Jones yeah. uh, landing in Cleveland uh, in the sixth round. That was when I was like, you know, the Bears Dropping. kept passing on him. I'm like, OK, what I, I understand. I understood why he wasn't quite the fit for the Bears with Anthony Miller playing a lot of slot. But the Browns. There, this depth chart is crap behind Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Like the Taewon Taylor is is considered their number three wide receiver right now, and I I believe that Peoples Jones wins that job. Uh, so I think he's a starter in three wide rece- wide receiver sets right away. Now, granted, they have like ten tight ends as well, so they may not go three wide very often. <laughs> but think about it: Odell Beckham has been has struggled to stay on the field throughout his entire career. Jarvis Landry has had hip surgery this offseason. That's not great. So it, if there's a chance to get on the field, like here it is, and um. I, I really like the landing spot for him as well. He's one. He's one of those flyers a little bit later because he fell so far in the draft. But a, a, reportedly, he fell because he was bad mouthing some Michigan coaches during his interviews, saying uh, that that for his production. And obviously, NFL teams aren't going to like that. But you know what? To me, with wide receivers, you kind of have to deal with some of that diva mentality to get yeah, the best. Yeah. And uh, if he fell because of that, then yeah, so so be it. But I think that the Browns got to steal there. Yeah, and, and some, you know, I think some of the best receivers are some of the biggest divas. So yes. you, you definitely want that a little bit. And, and But I think it's true. You know, I, I think his situation in Michigan, especially with the quarterback play, didn't play out probably as he was hoping, you know, and, and definitely hurt his numbers and obviously his draft stock. Um, but the guy, yeah, the guy's a baller. Um, and, yeah, to see him fall, I was just – like I said, there's always those guys that you just like watch it tumble. A million yeah. times. Yeah, just kept passing. Like, kept passing. It's like, why? You know, and yeah, someone's definitely going to steal. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I think with Cleveland, that's, it's right. Yeah, I think it's uh, that number three position, wide receiver position is definitely wide open. And, and you know, when one of those guys gets hurt or something, he's definitely going to step up. Um, how, how about your worst landing spot? Where was the one guy that you're just like, oh, I can't believe he's there? I mean, I think we talked about Jordan Love a little bit, but I, I would guess there's something definitely, that's probably worse. Definitely hated that spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely hated that spot. It was um, it was not a great landing spot for him. Um, who else did I hate where he landed? Uh, um, uh, I'm trying to think right now. I'm, I'm going to go over to wide receiver and look this one because I'm trying to 
there's so many things like Brandon Ayuk. I didn't like that landing spot for him. Mm-hmm. I felt like if there were there were definitely spots that he could have flourished, but that's not one of them. Um. Oh, Chase Claypool. Ugh. Yeah. Gross. The and and people are like legitimately posting actual comparisons to Calvin Johnson about him, and it's hilarious. Oh, so uh, bad. It's, so it's bad. yeah. I mean, come on, guys, stop, please stop. But they're and they announced already that they're going to play him on the perimeter, and that Juju's moving back into the slot, which is friggin' awesome because I, I like Juju, and yeah. that's where he belongs. He's Great. he's he's a, he's a big slot receiver. Um, but Chase Claypool is going to be a bust. I mean, he he. I mean, he landed in a spot with Ben Roethlisberger where he might get some deep balls and like. If, if this has to be the death of James Washington, I would assume, because Deontay Johnson's going to play. Yep. Um, and that they have Juju out there, so maybe he's competing with James Washington. But I don't, I don't like him. I that no, I felt like he was overrated. Like I know he ran crazy numbers and he's crazy athletic, but if you watch in the field, he's actually he doesn't play that fast. No, not at all. And, and I know I tweeted out right after they picked him that you know Big Ben just got himself another tight end, so that's awesome. Um, because there's you know the guy's big, you know, and, and I think yep. you know, at, at he reminds me almost of like a, it would be like a Darren Waller situation. Just totally switch positions. You're a big body receiver anyway. Um, yeah. and, and you might actually flourish a little bit better and fit a little bit better as a, as an inline, um, you know, not necessarily run blocking, but, but pass catching in a tight end. Um, right. Creating a mismatch with like linebackers right. and stuff like that. But now, now having a cornerback on you, they're going to be able to match them. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, one guy I like to, um, Actually, you know, it was Cam Akers to to the Rams, who I thought was actually a pretty decent landing spot. Um, they uh, there's definitely some running backs that are coming back, you know, uh, but no one that's really that's talented, I think, is Cam Akers. Um, so I actually really like that landing spot for him. Um, I'm 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 like so torn on that one because like they obviously like Daryl Henderson enough to to move up and trade into the top of the third round to get him last year. Now he's been on the roster. For a whole year. Mm-hmm. So they know the player. They know who he is. And they just spent a second round pick, which was, by the way, their first pick in this draft right. on Cam Akers. That concerns me. Um, and I, I was telling people to expect it. And I mocked them a running back in the third round. And people are like, no, they're not going to do that. They have so many needs and so many other holes and blah, blah. And they one upped me and they took one in the second round. <laughs> and the reason I said that is because there was only one team in the league that had met with more running backs than them. So and that was before the release of Todd Gurley. So I was like, okay, they're. I mean, running back is clearly something they're looking into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it. I mean, I can't see them completely writing off Darrell Henderson after one year. But at the same time, they just said a lot, and they, they have said that this is going to be somewhat of a timeshare moving forward. They're not going to go with a one back system. So I think it's going to be messy to start the year, and I think the best man wins. Who is that? I don't know. I really can't say because yeah. Darrell Henderson was a little bit undersized, but he was a three down back. That, that could be used in the passing game. And then Cam Akers coming behind a crap offensive line. Playmaker, sure. I don't know if the vision's there for him uh, to be a, a like a true three down back. Um, but again, we haven't really seen him have a chance to, have, to like highlight much because with that offensive line play, he averaged like, I think it was like 3.9 yards after contact compared to just one yard before contact. But the problem is, is that LA, they don't have an offensive line. They didn't really address it either. So it's like, right. you know, that was a team. Their running backs averaged 3.7 yards per carry last year. This is a team that's struggling to run the ball. So, I mean, fortunately, they use their running backs in the, on goal line situations. But I think it's best man wins the job. And I, I can't say for certain that that's Cam Akers. I think it's going to be a competition between the two. Well, and that's why, you know, you're talking about the offensive line. Um, I, I did a mock draft for the Dynasty draft room. And, you know, definitely using their their uh, their team needs. Um chart that those guys put together but it was all offensive line you know it was just showing up that offensive line 
um, and addressing running back a little bit later. Um, be, because yeah, that, that definitely was a big problem. And, and, you know, I think that offensive line turned around, uh, when they brought in Andrew Whitworth a couple of years ago, you know, we saw how good that 2018 campaign was. And then, you know, gosh, I think they were ranked like 31st last year by PFF as far as their offensive line play. Yeah, it and, wasn't good. Yeah, you know, so it's, it's, you know, to not address it, it it's, it's like the Packers in a way. Um, you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to grab the best guy on my board and not worry about what I really need, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that's how some of these teams, um, you know, got their certain, their draft picks, uh, some of these guys. Cause it's just like, you know, I follow my board and, and that's who was there and he's the best player and get him and, you know, worry about the rest later. But, um, you know, other, other, uh, bad landing spots, um, or just, you know, wasn't stoked about. Um, was definitely uh, Jalen Hurts. I thought to to the Eagles. I just mm, yeah. he's gonna sit there now, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I was hoping he'd go somewhere where they could mix him in a little bit more. Um, you know, maybe in the future it ends up working out, or if Carson, you know, continues to have some some durability issues. Um, and then there was uh, the other one was mm. was it Jake Fromm that went to the Bills? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you're just gonna sit, you know, and you're you're behind this young guy, and it's. Um, you know, like some of these running backs, I think I saw there was like a handful of teams that just drafted, um, you know, drafted a running back and around the same spot last year, you know, and so there, there's new rookie running backs coming in to, you know, a situation where they just got a running back at the same spot, you know, so what does that really say? It's just they're trying to build competition or, you know, they're not, <clears throat> they're not sold on that player, you know, but those quarterbacks, especially, um, you know, I think some of us in the fantasy community were hoping they would end up in a spot that would make it a little bit more fantasy relevant a little bit sooner. Um, and now, you know, especially for super flex leagues, you're just seeing these guys drop uh, in, in rookie drafts because they're not at a spot where, you know, you're not going to see much production for them for a few years. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, it, it really stinks about Jalen Hurts, stinks about Fromm. I, I liked Fromm. I actually thought that the Patriots and or the Colts should have been taking shots on him. I felt like he could have walked in yep. the Patriots offense and do the things that they wanted Brady to do. He's a very accurate quarterback, very smart, um, doesn't fold under pressure. Um, I, I liked him a lot. He doesn't have a big arm, but you don't need one in that offense. And the same thing with Frank Reich. Uh, they don't take necessarily like you, you watched even going back to Philadelphia when Carson Wentz went down. Nick Foles came in very boring quarterback, but he gets the job done in that offense. And I felt like the Colts should have been taking a shot on him. I liked him more than Jacob Eason, but um, the Colts obviously didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so let me, uh, you know, before, as we start to kind of wrap this up a little bit, uh, let, let me get your top uh, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end uh, of this draft class uh, now with, you know, their landing spots factored in. Um, and, and mostly for fantasy purposes, but it could just be, you know, overall, uh, who did you Yeah, like? I mean. For dynasty purposes, like Hyde Edwards Hilarious is, is my number one. Uh, you can argue that Jonathan Taylor is in the conversation, but those are the clear the top two yeah. uh, running backs there. Uh, Jerry Judy is still my number one receiver. Um, I know he landed in Denver alongside Cortland Sutton, and I'm not I'm not like crazy about that, uh, especially in an offense that I, I wonder how they're going to operate because I think Vic Fangio, I don't think he wants to be a guy that throws the ball 600 times per year. Um, we'll see how that pans out. And Drew Locke, basically, it's I think they're going to find out really quick what they have in him because they gave him every single option possible, not mm-hmm. to, like for him to succeed. And if he doesn't, they're going to be able to move on rather quickly. Uh, I'm still going to take Judy there for long term because I don't I don't feel like any of the landing spots for the top tier receivers were like immediate production that you could like just say up oh, there the clear cut number one because yeah. C.D. Lamb obviously you know number two or number three uh, to start his career there. Henry Ruggs, not a 120 target guy. Yep. Uh, Justin Jefferson, very low volume offense. Adam Thielen still there. Uh, Jalen Rager, again, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson still there for another year. 
So, I mean, Pittman, I, I like him, but he's not enough to, to make me take him over Judy or anything like that. Denzel Mims landed in a decent spot. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go Jerry Judy. Uh, quarterback, it's definitely Joe Burrow. Uh, Burrow is a stud. He reminds me of Tony Romo quite a bit. Uh, a guy yeah. with some mobility. I, I don't think that I don't think people realize that the mobility that Burrow has, but unfortunately, he needs to like get better um, at understanding how to not take a hit because he took too many big hits at LSU yep. because of that. Um, he's a good player, and then I have Komet as my best tight end just because I think that he's the most. Uh, it doesn't matter what offense is in place. I think he's going to be a player. I think he's a long term guy. Um, he's one of those guys that that coaches are just going to love no matter who it is. Um, and then you could say you could say Adam Troutman maybe uh, just because he's, he got tied to Sean Payton, but we yeah. don't we don't really know who the quarterback's going to be for the Saints in the future. Is it uh, is it Taysom Hill? Is it Jason, Jameis Winston? <laughs> I guess we'll find out. But uh, I uh, those are my top of the East position. Yeah, that was a real interesting signing. Uh, was it yesterday right with uh, Jameis Winston yep. going to the Saints? It's yeah, yeah. I mean, he was going to end up somewhere. <laughs> so yep. um, uh, sucks for for Taysom Hill a little bit, but. You know, I, I mean, I think some of those reports that, that I think Payne was saying that Taysom Hill really is like, you know, a, a starting quarterback one in this league. I mean, I'm just I'm not sure, you know. And so I, I think with them signing Winston, it's just kind of showing that he's 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 that, you know, Swiss Army knife. That's that's what his role is going to be. And I think, um, you know, Jameis there. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see him take over at some point or step in and, and um yeah, how he fits in that offense. I mean, it's definitely a good offense to be in, but uh, I don't know if that's going to fix all of his inter- interception uh, issues and right. trying to eat W's on the sideline. <laughs> yep. Um. So, you know, we you might have already named him, but uh, I would just say overall favorite fantasy rookie uh, going into the season uh, for 2020 production. Yeah, Clyde Edwards hilarious. Yeah, 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 yep. d- definitely. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm still seeing the debate uh, on Twitter, and I think that'll continue uh, as as rookie drafts uh, continue in in dynasty football. But you know, yeah, you can't you you can't deny the opportunity that Ceh is going to have in Kansas City. Um, You know, I've put stuff out there, and people like, "What about Damian Williams?" Don't worry about Damian Williams. Damian Williams Mm -hmm. wasn't a thing last year, uh, which is why I took a bet with someone before the start of the season that Carlos Hyde would have more fantasy points than Damian Williams when Carlos Hyde was still on the Chiefs and he still ended up with more fantasy points than Damian Williams. So yeah, don't worry <laughs> yep. about that guy. <laughs> yep. um, how about, uh, how about your uh, a breakout rookie for, for this year? Um, someone that, uh, you know, maybe it's a Mims type, someone that's a little bit, that was drafted a little bit later, but we're just going to, uh, who's, you know, and, and I'm, you know, asking you to, to, you know, read your crystal ball here you know but but who's going to be the terry mclaurin you know of this next draft class so someone that was definitely lower and then just broke out it could be michael Pittman. uh Pittman. i mean I, I he didn't go lower like Mims didn't either but if you're looking for like a later round pick i would say uh look at antonio gandy golden mm-hmm. is a potential guy to do that uh quintus cephas and uh as i mentioned the browns depth chart is not very good uh wide receiver so donovan peoples jones uh you know is a sixth round pick i know that you know it's it's not the sexy thing to say but same time if i'm looking for a player that can like move up boards like rapidly it'd be him yeah 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 it's it's, it's a deep class um i i can't wait to see you know in four or five years you know we always look back uh, at that draft class of 2014 or 2016 and, and see you know where all these studs were so the, the, uh, i'm gonna be curious yeah to see how they end up um see when we're looking back like damn that guy got a steal you know when right now everyone's kind of scratching their head and um not sure why they got that guy but you know they might know more than we do. So 
so we'll see yep. moving forward but um but yeah you know i think um i think that kind of wraps most of it up for for today you know um i really wanted to get your take on a lot of these guys for fantasy purposes mm-hmm. um we didn't dive in too much uh on the offense and defense alignment but you know they're they're plentiful out there and you know this is a fantasy football show so trying to stick it to, to fantasy but um but yeah you know i guess the last question i wanted to ask is is you know, last time we talked, we, we were work, you were working on your book, and I think that's always been something that's uh, maybe it's a lifelong uh, uh, endeavor for you. But um, you know, I guess any updates uh, on on getting that uh, Mike Tagliere novel out? Yeah, I um, unfortunately it's been shelved because like all this draft stuff that I've been working on. But um, I at some point I have to take a vacation, and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out because it's like you, you, we had a vacation plan to go out to Tennessee and like, I, I, I want to get in like a cabin and just like get away from the world for a little bit, uh, almost like no internet is yeah. right. Um, but it, obviously that's been difficult to do and <laughs> being at home, especially with a three-year-old all the time. And like even writing a novel is a surreal experience just to sit down and like try and get into a different world. And uh, it's just hard to do when there's noise all around you and the, the family can't leave. So um, I need to figure out something how to do that. I, I, maybe I build a tree house in the backyard Ooh. and I go sit with you, my laptop I like um, that. maybe that would be the best case scenario but uh it, it will happen and I'm, I'm like 20 i think twenty five thousand words into it so it, it's it's definitely started and i know everything that's needs to take place but it's just a matter of uh, having peace and quiet and, and my imagination to do it oh yeah well i, I appreciate it yeah still excited to read it can't wait till it comes out um anything new with with fantasy pros uh with the podcast uh you know anyone out there you need to be following Mike Tagliere. You, you need to be reading his primer that he puts out um, uh, weekly during the fantasy football season. Uh, and I think you have some updates in the off season as well, but uh, yeah, I guess anything new with, uh, with the podcast uh, besides having Kyle Gates on now to join the team. Yeah, we have him on the team now. It's, it's really cool. And uh, Dan Harris, I, I love all these guys. They're all like my brothers. Um, but uh, we're doing three podcasts this week. Actually, we just recorded one yesterday. We're doing one right after I'm done with this, actually. And then I'm doing another one on Thursday. If I'm not mistaken, we're going to do a rookie draft. Um, so the Fantasy Pros Football podcast is uh, is extremely busy. Um, we're doing that. And I will be releasing a dynasty trade value chart on fantasypros.com uh at the end of this week so therefore you're able to kind of check the values of the rookies and if you're looking to put together some trades to move up uh to a certain point you should be able to uh figure out how much it would cost to acquire those guys awesome awesome so yeah for all the listeners out there make sure you're following mike tagliere uh on twitter at mike tagliere nfl follow the fantasy football pros podcast subscribe rate review put it in your daily lineup it's part of our regular rotation uh, we love talking to you tags. We love listening to what you guys have to say. Uh, some of the best minds in football, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today and, and coming through and talking football with us again. No, of course, man. Thanks for having me on. It's a, I'm happy to end your hiatus. <laughs> it's definitely a good way to do it. And, and, you know, and everyone else, um, we'll, we'll probably be back again next week with another show. Uh, probably talking about the same thing, fantasy rookie drafts and, um, hopefully having another great guest on as well. Um, and then until then, uh, look out for, we just put out our rookie draft guide on the website. Uh, we have the top 50 fantasy rookies using fantasy pros, expert consensus rankings, pre-draft rankings, but we did adjust a little bit. Um, so we have top 50 guys in there for you. And then we'll should have some more, more podcasts coming out, um, during uh, the off season as we ramp up to, to redraft season. We'll have some mini pods out again doing our, our, uh, positional rankings and having some more guests come on to talk about fantasy draft strategy and those players. So be on the lookout. Got some good things coming. Uh, good things in the works. A lot more writing this year. And yeah, 
best of luck to you tags on, on everything else in your book and staying sane in this quarantine time. And, um, yeah, hanging out with your three-year-old. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Same to you and your family. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Tags. Thanks, everyone. Catch you on the next one. Bad boy good. Bad boy good. Bad boy good.